Brewer fans, welcome to the Brewers Trilogy podcast presented by the Wisconsin Sports Trilogy, the podcast for not only them diehard baseball fans, but also for those fans who enjoy cheering for a team that revolves around beer. I'm Tyler, aka T Plush, your host for the show. I'm a contributor at reviewing the brew for Fansided and one of the co-founders at the Wisconsin Sports Trilogy. Today, I am joined with good buddy Trevor, aka Sunshine Bender, and we are here to talk about the Brewers news that has happened really fast as of today. It seems like everything comes in bunches. So, Trevor, how are you doing before we get into all that? Well, that news that came today, we're recording this on the 21st. I mean, that was shocking. I was not expecting news on such a big free agent so early, considering how last year went, and I'm not too excited about that news. So, not great day for for me, at least, because I was really excited to get him back. I think a lot of Brewer Nation feels the same, and one guy in particular who is actually joining us as a guest on the show today is Jack Stern, who started the uh, hashtag resign Yaz trend on Twitter. He'll be joining us to talk about what happened with Yasmani Grandal. But before we get into that, Jack, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and where our listeners can find you? Uh, I do a little bit of writing uh, over at Brew Crew Ball. You can find that at brewcrewball.com. And then you can also follow me on Twitter at Baseball7310. Awesome. Thank you. So I can't imagine how you're feeling right now when the news broke out of Grandall signing four years, $73 million with the Chicago White Sox, which is good enough for an 18.25 annual million dollar salary. So, Jack, take us away. What are your thoughts on this move? Well, I think for the White Sox, uh, it's a fantastic move. If I were a White Sox fan, I would be super excited right now. But from our perspective, as a Brewers fan, I'm extremely disappointed at the moment. Obviously, you mentioned a couple seconds ago, I was really adamant about wanting the Brewers to re-sign Yasmani Grandal. I had the whole hashtag re-sign Yaz thing going. I, at the beginning of the month, wrote an article up at Brew Crew Ball explaining in detail why I wanted him back. And basically, it's because he's the best catcher in baseball. He led all catchers in 2019 in Warp, which is the baseball prospectus version of the war stat. He was second in F4 to J2 Realmuto. That's a Fangraphs version of war. He's a fantastic hitter, especially for a catcher that was no different in 2019. He led all qualified catchers and weighted runs created plus. And on the defensive side, I think he gets a lot of heat because he had that rough 2018 postseason with the Dodgers. Uh, but he's a very good defender too. He's one of the best pitch framers in all of baseball. And again, that was no different last year. He was second among all catchers in baseball prospectus framing runs. He was first in Fangraph's framing stat. He was second in strike zone runs saved. That's something that pitchers noticed, too. There was an interview done earlier this year where Matt Albers specifically mentioned how key that is to have a catcher like Grandall 
who can take those sinkers painted on the edge and take those from being called balls and instead being called strikes. And just going back to how he's such a great overall catcher, since the start of the 2015 season, Yasmani Grandal leads all Major League Baseball catchers in Fangraphs War and Baseball Prospectus War. So that's a pretty significant sample size where he has quite literally been literally been the best. Uh, so it's a huge addition for the White Sox and a really huge subtraction for the Brewers. Yeah, you're making me miss him even more already, and it hasn't <laughs> even been 24 hours. <laughs> I mean, we've been blessed with good defensive catchers. Thinking back to Luke Roy, he was one of the best framing catchers. And then Manny Pinas obviously has a cannon behind the plate. And Yasmani Grandal, I think he took a lot of heat early in the season, in particular to how he was calling games, mainly due to the pitching staff was struggling. We had the young guns out there. But as the season went along and they developed chemistry and... I don't think Grandall had any problems learning how to call a game because he's been doing it for a long time. Mm -hmm. But that was just one thing I picked up on fans. I don't know if you heard that as well. There were complaints about uh, Grandall's game calling earlier in the season. But then as we got into the second half and after the acquisition of Jordan Lyles, obviously, and how how well he performed down the stretch, uh, they asked him what was kind of that driving factor behind his success. And he gave basically all the credit to Yasmani Grandall and he credited specifically his game calling and his pitch framing and just all of that stuff. So I think Grandall is not only is he a good pitch framer, but I think he's very good at handling a pitching staff as well. And there was even a few years ago when he was playing with the Dodgers and Zach Granke was also on the Dodgers. He called Grandall the best catcher he's ever had. So I think while there was a little bit of he wasn't very well received by the fans in terms of his game calling, I think he's pretty good at that, too. I would definitely tend to agree with that. So now this kind of puts the Brewers in the debacle of what do they do at catcher? So let me just phrase it this way. If I told you that Manny Pena was going to be the everyday catcher going into 2020, would you be comfortable with that? Pena's a fine catcher in his own right. You know, the last three seasons, he's more than held his own. Uh, the first two years, he was kind of part of a timeshare, more of a 50-50 situation regarding how the playing time was divided up. Last year, he was more of the traditional backup to Grandall, and he's a good backup catcher. He's he's obviously not going to hit a whole lot, but the production that he gives you, that he has given the Brewers over the last two years, uh, it's been about right in line with the league average offense that you would get from a catcher. He's obviously, he's got that cannon of an arm. He's a good defender, and by all accounts, he also seems to be great at calling games and guiding a staff, but he's not really someone who I would say, hey, go out and catch 120 games or something for first of all he hasn't done that yet to this point so it kind of put him in uncharted territory and uh, second of all I think there are other options that the Brewers can pursue to still carry most of that lion's share of the playing time uh, whether that's Travis Darno or Jason Castro for more of a platoon situation but I would not I wouldn't give the starting job 100% to Manny Pena I would I would go out and get someone to kind of compliment him I think having a platoon with Manny is probably a good idea. Like you said, I don't think he's ready or the Brewers should really be ready to have him out there. You know, the amount of time, the amount of games that Yaz was out there or any starting catcher, I just don't think that's the ideal situation for him. So I think platooning's a good idea. And something that Tyler brought up on Twitter earlier today, which I thought was kind of interesting he said to roll the dice with Manny Pena now and hope that you can get 
maybe one of the prospects from our minor league system up and specifically our number 15 prospect Peyton Henry. Do you know much about him or do you have any thoughts? I know last year he actually got a surprise invite to camp, which is kind of crazy with how young he was. He was 21 years old. You know, he was a 2016 sixth round pick. So that's pretty fast for baseball players. So do you think he has a chance or do you think he's still a couple years away yet? For Peyton Henry, I would still say a couple years away yet. I mean, the highest level he's played at to this point in his professional career, A-ball. Um, so he's still a ways off. He's had some good stretches at the plate, but I definitely think there's still a lot of developing left to do for Peyton Henry. And he's still at the lower levels of the minor leagues. So I don't, I wouldn't expect to see him next year, maybe 2021, 2022, but definitely not at this point. Can you elaborate maybe a little bit more? You mentioned a few of the catchers like Travis Darno and Jason Castro. What about them kind of fascinates you? The Athletic had a piece about a week ago, I think, where they mentioned Darno is a very good target for the Brewers. He's kind of like, I think they kind of described him as a poor man's version of Yasmani Grandal in that he he can do, he's he's a roughly league average hitter and he's a little bit above average in the pitch framing area. So he's kind of like Yasmani Grandal, except all of the skills are toned down quite a bit. Um, he's probably not going to be too expensive. He's an above average catcher, I'd say. With Castro, he's just kind of the same thing. And he's also a left-handed bat. So that's someone you could easily pair with uh, Pena in a platoon situation. Yeah, those two options sound good, especially if they're on the cheaper end of things. I mean, obviously, I think we're all wishing Grandall was on going to be on the Brewers. And I mean, especially for under 20, I know Tyler and I, have talked about this before that if you get them under 20, you got to sign immediately. So that was one thing that really frustrated me. But if we can get some of those guys, you know, under 10 mil and they're, you know, the poor man's version of Yasmani Grandal, I think we could do a lot worse. And that makes a lot of sense. But let's move ahead to some free agency talk. And I just want to know what your thoughts are in terms of what are what's the number one position that the Brewers need to target in free agency, um, especially now that we know this move of Yasmani Grandal not being there. And then if you have a few options in mind name-wise, who do you got? I think the Brewers, they have a lot of holes right now that they need to fill. But I do think that now that Grandal is gone, catcher's probably at the top of that list, uh, mainly because they really don't have any in-house options to take over that position. They've got Manny Pena, but uh, like I alluded to earlier, he's more of a guy who you'd like in a backup role or maybe more of a timeshare role at most. They have Jacob Nottingham. He's spent the last two years in AAA. He had a rough 2019. And when he when he came up, when Pena was injured during the middle of the season, he didn't play at all. He didn't get one start. They kept Grandall behind the plate for every single one of those games where Pena was out. And it just feels like the organization really hasn't shown a whole lot of confidence in him to this point, so I wouldn't really uh, trust him to play a significant role. And then from there, I mean, it's like we talked about earlier, Peyton Henry, but he's still quite a ways off. So there's really no in-house option to really cover that catching position for a 162-game season. So I think right now that's that's the top uh, position that the Brewers are going to have to address. Oh, I hate how you're crushing my Peyton Henry hopes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 
My only counter argument to that is we've seen, especially you think back to like Trent Grisham. I mean, he was only in double A to start last year and all of a sudden ended the year on the big league club. So, I mean, you, you, that doesn't happen very often and it's pretty rare, but guy half that's half full in me is saying it's going to happen with Peyton Henry, but <laughs> we'll see about that. Uh, so moving on, there are four open spots on the 40-man roster currently for the Brewers right now. Now, that doesn't mean the Brewers are only going to make four moves the rest of this offseason. I mean, we have a pretty crowded outfield right now. Tyler Saladino is still on the 40-man roster. We still need a tender contracts and all that good jazz. But if you could only pick four more players to fill out the rest of this 40-man roster, who would they be? First of all, I think I would pick two starting pitchers because right now the Brewers don't have a complete five-man rotation. Uh, right now, I think the only guys who look like locks at this point are Brandon Woodruff, Adrian Hauser, and Zach Davies. Uh, so you're going to need to add at least two more starting pitchers, whether that's re-signing Gio Gonzalez or re-signing Jordan Lyles, or if you go just from other players on the free agent market. Then I would also sign a catcher, obviously, because I think that's a position that they need to fill. And if they can get a right-handed hitting infielder, that would also be nice. I feel like the uh, struggles against left-handed pitching are something that's kind of hurt the offense the last couple years. And they also just need an infielder, especially now that Eric Thames is gone. So if they can bring in maybe like a Howie Kendrick or someone, someone who hits right-handed and can play first base, second base, third base, uh, even corner outfield in a pinch, I think that's another player that they should look should look into bringing in. That's actually funny. I answered this question myself, and I had the Brewers signing two starting pitchers <laughs> as well. I did not think about Howie Kendrick, so that's a good piece to bring up because, I mean, most of the time I don't think of him as a first baseman, but he could do it, and he'd be a lot more serviceable at that position than Ryan Braun, at least I think. Although David Stearns did not rule Ryan Braun out playing there in 2020. But um, do you have a couple starting pitchers in mind, at least realistically, that you think the Brewers could sign? Because we would all love to see a Garrett Soule or, or a Steven Strasburg signing, but that's just probably not likely. <laughs> I think Lyles is a pretty good bet to come back. Um, I think it's pretty obvious that he likes it here. This is a place where he's found success. And he figures not to cost too much, so he's a good fit. I mean, same thing with Gio Gonzalez. He was a good veteran presence to have around some of the other guys. And while he's he's getting up there in years a little bit, but he was quietly still very effective in 2019. So I'd be open to bringing him back. From there, there's just some cheaper targets out there, like maybe a Homer Bailey or a Tanner Roark, someone like that. But no, I don't see them really going for the splashy signing. If they're going to do that, I would look at Zach Wheeler because he's not going to cost quite as much money as the biggest guys like Cole and Strasburg, but he's also very effective. I think there's a lot of potential there for him to really ascend to that top of the rotation type guy. But so far at this point in David Stearns's uh, tenure as general manager, we haven't really seen him be willing to dish out those big contracts to pitchers. I think he's been a little more willing to do it with position players, which I can understand because if you commit a lot of dollars to a pitcher and all of a sudden he blows out his elbow or something. That's a pretty risky, pretty risky situation. So I would definitely say if they're looking at starters, probably more of the uh, middle tier guys instead of the top guys. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think kind of my realistic high end was a Zach Wheeler type pitcher as well. And now I saw updated shortly after that Grandall signing was now the White Sox are going after Zach Wheeler and 
that makes a lot of sense. You get your catcher and a very good one, like you were talking about earlier, very good at framing pitches, very good on the defensive end outside of that 2018 playoff run for the Dodgers. But I do think those are probably the most likely options. Well, I don't think the Brewers are going to go out and sign anyone that big. But I have a question, and it's not specifically about free agency, but when you were talking about the starting rotation, it kind of came up in my mind. And that is, what do you think of Corbin Burns? Now, obviously, he was great his first year in 2018, great out of that bullpen, kind of that middle to late reliever, always in high situ- high leverage situations. Um, do you think he gets back to that, or is what we saw this past year more of what we're going to see in the future? I think Burns absolutely 100% still has that potential to emerge as a top-of-the-rotation guy. I mean, it's pretty obvious that all the tools are there. I think he was one of the more frustrating players for me to watch last year. I mean, the tools are there. He throws hard. He's got elite spin rate. He's in, like, the top 1% of all major league pitchers in spin rate, and he's got a good slider. But what made him so frustrating was, first of all, he has that very good slider, but he didn't throw it as often as I would have liked to see him throw it. And also, he's got that high spin fastball, which I feel like is whenever someone has high spin, that's always used as kind of an explanation for why they're succeeding or a reason why they're going to succeed. But what's interesting with Burns is he threw his fastball at the bottom of the zone like a lot. That was the only place where he ever really threw it. If you look at if you look at a heat map of where he threw all his fastballs, it's like heavily concentrated uh, to the bottom part of the strike zone. And what's interesting about that is the widely accepted strategy is if you have a high spin fastball, you should be throwing it up in the strike zone, which he never did. Um, so all all season I'm watching him throwing a ton of fastballs down in the strike zone. And I'm just thinking, why won't you throw the baseball up? Throw the ball up. That's where high spin plays better. And uh, just with his slider, too, he had a very good slider, but he didn't throw it uh, all that often. Instead, he liked to lean on the fastball a lot. And supposedly there was a mechanical issue that they've figured out uh, and they're working hard to correct. But I absolutely think that all the tools are there for Burns to succeed. I don't know if I would hand him a rotation spot for next year. I would definitely give him an opportunity in spring training uh, to see how he performs, but I don't know if I would count on anything from him. I think that's a little bit too risky considering the Brewers are in the midst of a contention window, but I absolutely think that potential is there for him to make an impact, whether it's out of the bullpen or if there's an injury at some point and he gets another chance in that starting rotation. I do think it's it's not too late for Corbin Burns. He can absolutely get his career back on the right path. I would agree with you. Like the one thing that really got me excited and I just hope he figured the rest of it out is when he was down in the minors and they sent him to Arizona to their spring training complex and were helping him out there. And he came back to the majors and he had this new pitch and it looked like a 96 mile an hour cutter. And Mm -hmm. that thing, if he figures out the rest of it, that is going to be deadly. Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about because one of the thing one of the things with Burns's fastball too is that despite all that spin rate that he gets on it, it was one of the straighter fastballs in the major leagues, which is a little strange. It just indicates that he wasn't getting good spin efficiency on the pitch. Uh, but yeah, when he goes down to the secret mystical pitching lab and then all of a sudden he comes back throwing 97 mile an hour cutters, that gets you excited. I wonder if the secret mystical pitching lab also told him to throw higher in the strike zone too. <laughs> yes, that uh, would be 
He just needs to hang out with Josh Hader for a little bit, and he'll start throwing them up in the strike zone. (laughs) That's a fair point. Uh, So we're going to transition here a little bit to the last of the Brewers news that kind of happened this week, and that was the Brewers adding guys to protect against the Rule 5 draft. So internal options added were Corey Ray and J.P. Fierzin. I don't know if I pronounced it right, to be honest. But tell us a little bit about these guys, Jack, and what you think they can bring to the club next year. First of all, Corey Ray, he was the Brewers' first round selection back in the 2016 draft. And quite frankly, his development just has not gone the way the Brewers were hoping. It seemed like he finally broke out in 2018 in double A. He hit 27 bombs. Uh, 124 weighted runs created plus he was the Southern League MVP and you know you were everyone was kind of hoping he'd be able to build on that and finally uh, start to look like that top prospect that he was supposed to be when he was drafted but in 2019 he took a, a considerable step back and just about everything went wrong he dealt with some finger injuries kind of on and off um, and it severely hindered his production he ended up going back down to double a for a little bit but he did finish the year in triple a then david stearns did mention a big reason they're not giving up on him yet is because of that injury they believe that if he gets healthy he can get back on the right track and get his development back on track i'm kind of the low guy on ray though because he has struck out a lot in the minor leagues it's been a big issue for him last year in 2019 he struck out i think it was like over 38% of the time. And even in his MVP season in AA, he still struck out roughly 30% of the time. And if you're already seeing strikeout rates like that at just in the minor leagues, you know, it kind of raises questions how he's going to be able to make contact at the big league level. And I mean, there are high strikeout players who have found success in the majors. Uh, but I do think that once you kind of pass a, a certain threshold with it, with the strikeout rate, it becomes hard to have success at the plate in the major leagues. He kind of reminds me of Keon Broxton a little bit because he's got that light tower power, um, but he also strikes out a lot. So I don't really see him bringing much to the club this year. I'm not really that high on him in general. I think other people like him a little more. But just for me, I don't see him making much of an impact with the club this year. Um, But hopefully he can get his development back on track. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out uh, with a full season for him. Uh, and then for Fire Eisen, that's a guy that I'm very high on. I like him. I think he's going to be in the bullpen next year in 2020, and I think he's going to play a pretty significant role. He's like seemingly every other reliever nowadays. He's got that mid-90s fastball. He throws hard. Um, he strikes a ton of guys out, especially in AAA this year. The strikeouts really came out big time. He struck out uh, like over 13 guys per nine innings. And he's a multi-inning reliever, uh, which is something that the Brewers – I think have valued, especially with, you know, their bullpenning strategy, someone who can come out of the bullpen and get you six outs or something when he comes in. He was very effective in AAA last year. I do think he actually would have made it to the majors if he weren't in the Yankees organization and, you know, where they had that monster bullpen with Chapman, Adovino, Zach Britton, Chad Green, all those guys. But in AAA last year, Fire Eisen had a 2.49 ERA and he had a 42 DRA minus. So that means that by deserved runs, uh, deserved run average, which is an ERA estimator, he was about 60% better than the average AAA pitcher. And what also stood out to me is the way that he was able to limit home runs in AAA because they introduced the MLB ball to AAA last year and it resulted in this massive surge in home runs. But in spite of that, Fire Eisen was still able to limit home runs. He allowed under a home run per nine innings. 
But I definitely think he's someone who we're going to see on the roster this year. And I think he's a guy who could potentially make the opening day roster, especially if Corey Knebel starts the year on the injured list. But whether he starts the year on the roster or he kind of ends up being more that shuttle guy who goes up and down, or if he comes up midseason due to an injury, I do think we're going to see him make a pretty significant impact at some point in 2020. Yeah, that's exciting to hear from him. I mean, looking at some of his stats in AAA, 2.49 ERA, and like you said, the strikeout total is crazy. 94 strikeouts and 61 innings, that is absurd. So I just want to ask about the rest of the top prospects that didn't get saved on this Rule 5 draft, and the ones in particular, you don't have to hit on all of them, but Zach Brown, Lucas Erceg, and Braden Webb are some guys that stand out that didn't get saved from this Rule 5 draft. I would have protected Brown just because I think there's still that potential there for him to be an impact major league pitcher. But he did take a very significant step back after he was had a very solid season in double A in 2018, 2019. What was really concerning was just how much the walk shot up. He allowed 2.58 walks per nine innings in 2018. In 2019, that went up to 4.94. Um, and he allowed more home runs too, but I'm not as concerned about that because of how they had the MLB ball in AAA, which they didn't have before. Uh, and hopefully they, they fix that, and that kind of helps with the home run issues. But I can also understand why they left him off. I mean, the Brewers need roster spots to bring in free agents if they want to improve the big league team. And it's just possible that they didn't really see Zach Brown playing much of a role on the team this year. With Braden Webb, he only pitched in... 15 innings in double A, and then he spent a lot of time in A ball. I don't really know the story there. I don't, I didn't follow his season too closely, but he was another guy too, who just didn't have the season that you would have liked to see. And he's, he still has an advanced past double A. So it's not like he's a guy who was on the cusp of being a contributor to the big league team. Um, and I mean, these are just the kind of risks that you have to take uh, as an organization, especially when you have roster spots that need to be be filled by players who you know can make an impact on the big league team next year. Yeah, those are all good points. And the Brewers haven't lost anyone to the Rule 5 draft, to the best of my knowledge, in at least over two or three years, from what I can recall. So we'll see what ends up happening there. Um, it's definitely interesting to monitor going forward. But something a little less invasive, the last bit of news here is the Brewers released their new logos and their new jerseys this year. And... I, I love the responses I see on Facebook, on Twitter, everywhere. People seem to be loving them. So I guess the only real question is, what is your favorite? My favorite one, I'm going to go with the pinstripes, the alternate home uniforms. I think those are the best. Yeah, you can't beat a classic. I think the pinstripes are right up there. I really, the more I look at them, I love all of the jerseys. But between the pinstripes and the navy away jerseys, those are my favorites. And also the... One of the alternate logos that they came out with, I know Barrelman's back, and that's nice to see too, but the one baseball that they used, wheat as the laces, was pretty cool. I thought that was a good kind of ode to Milwaukee and have the beer and baseball all in one. I thought that was cool. I think my favorite was the the Navy one. Maybe it's because Suter was the one showing it off, and he's just a goofball, but I, I like the darker color in it too. So all in all, I don't know. I'm not going to... Fork over $400 for one yet, but apparently they're on DHgate already if anyone wants to get one for 20 bucks and take a gamble there. <laughs> so a little self-promotion for them. But 
Thank you again for joining us today, Jack Stern. Very insightful, dropping some sabermetrics on us, making us all smarter baseball fans. It was a blast to have you on the show. But that'll wrap us up for today. Again, we are the Wisconsin Sports Trilogy Podcast. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Trilogy underscore pod. Check out our pinned tweet. We're giving away a free Giannis jersey because we talk not only about Brewers baseball, but the Bucks basketball and Packers football as well. So until we talk next time, we'll see you later. Trust in Stearns, baby. Trust in Stearns, baby.